Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. What an awesome day we're going to have today. For those of you who do not know who I am, I am Bishop Rick Thomas. I'm the pastor's, senior pastor's father, without which you would not have a senior pastor. Just a thought. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm excited about what God is doing. What a year we had had last year in, in the first season of direction of our new pastor and his wife. And what a great year it was. But look at where we're headed this year. I'm telling you, if you've been listening to the messages and you've been really, I mean, really having years to hear, God's saying something through the man of God to us here in this house. And we're just fortunate and blessed for where we're headed because I'm going to tell you right now, it's, uh, it, it, we've already been hearing the messages, but this is a season that we're going to flourish. It's a season that we're going to rise and build. It's a season that the God in heaven, he will prosper us, therefore we will arise and build. And it's important we understand that rising and building is not just about in this house. What we make happen in God's house, he makes happen in our house. When we set our affections on the house of God, set God sets his affections on our house. And I really believe that as the way the church goes, the body of Christ within that local body is going to grow with that. And so get ready. It, we're, we're heading into some incredible moments this year of supernatural manifestations. And it's going to be an awesome time. I'll tell you that right now. You know, God began to deal with me the other, other week. And after we'd gotten into the new year, and I knowing what the theme was and hearing it New Year's Eve night. We all sowing our first fruit seeds towards what we're believing God for for this year. God began to speak to me on a verse that I've, I've talked about for years and years and years. I, I, we, we heard it all. It's nothing new under the sun, if you will. But God began to speak to me about something that I want to share with you today. And, uh, and I just want to take you to a place to understand that if we're going to be what God's called us to be, we've got to know that this is a season that God is bringing us to a position of authority. Everybody say authority. authority. Now, authority means you're in charge. That means no excuses for what somebody else is doing. Let me move over here. This group's looking at me kind of funny. <laughs> it means that if I'm in authority, the buck stops here. Come on. If, I, if I'm in charge, no matter what anybody else does out there, it stops here. You know, whether you like it or not, and, and, and I'm sure that what's going on in our politics today, that, that you know, uh, President Biden wished they didn't stop there, but I, I tell you this, President Biden, you bought it. That's not a negative. You're the president. Whatever happens in the nation, you're it. Now, get this in your spirit. You are president of your corporation. You are president of your life. You say, well, Jesus is, no, I didn't say you're Lord. Uh, Jesus is your Lord, but he's put you in charge of you. Ooh. We don't like that, do we? No, we, we don't like that. Well, I'm under authority. I understand you're under authority, so you learn how to be in authority. Well, let, let me say that again. <laughs> See, the reason you're under authority is so you know how to be in authority. And at the end of the day, once your authority's not there, you've got to make decisions about yourself. What did the old song say growing up? It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, <laughs> standing in the need of prayer. And when I stand before Jesus, he's not going to ask me about, about what somebody else said or did. He's going to say, this is your life. 
Oh, man, y'all are getting with me. You're getting with me a little bit over here. We're moving a little bit. So I, I want to talk to you about being able to operate in the authority God's given you so you can occupy the world in which you live, that you can rule over the world in which you live, and the world will not rule over you. You know, we say things in the church like this all the time, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, but yet we've got all of these things that happen to us and we blame everybody else. You know, they upset me or they didn't do what they said they were going to do or it's not what I thought it was going to be. It has nothing to do with that. You have to say, I need to take control of this. Yeah. Oh, come on, folks. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, I, no, I'm not preaching yet. No, I'm not preaching. I'm just kind of stirring up your pure minds before I get into the message. But I think it's time that the church became the church. We stood on the sidelines and let the world system dictate to us everything they want to tell us. And we've allowed them to do that. I don't like what's going on in the school system. That's our problem. It's not because of what they're doing. It's because we've allowed it to happen. Oh, come on, folks. I said we've allowed it to happen. You know what I mean? It's what you allow. But God has said, I've chosen you as a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. I put the same spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead. And you have the nerve to say, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But yet you just don't know how you're going to make it. You have the audacity to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do in the middle of this storm. You need to understand, truth is truth, whether you're in the valley or whether the enemy's coming against you or whether you've been knocked down. That doesn't change the truth. If you stay with the truth, the truth will raise you up. The truth will take you through the valley. The truth will cause a weapon for against you to prosper. You, you've got to decide, who am I going to take... Where am I going to take my rightful place of authority when it comes to the word of God? Because God said, I watch over my word to perform it. It will not return unto me void. It will prosper where unto I sent it. So over in the book of Genesis chapter 1, we see something very unique in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. That's, and, I, and I don't want to get into a lot of detail with that. But... Uh, and you've heard me teach somewhat on this, but in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, verse 1, everything was created. <sighs> he wasn't going to create the birds. He wasn't going to treat, create uh, the, the vegetation. He wasn't, no, no. In the beginning, he created it all. The word there, in the beginning, God created, it means that in the beginning, he was absolute in creation. Now, just because you go down a few verses and we find out he's having to put back together what the enemy has destroyed, doesn't, and we call that the, this is creation. We read that, we, go, we come down here and we talk about how the, the first seven days, this is God. No, that was God putting things back together. Oh, Lord, help me. Okay. He says in the book of Ecclesiastes that everything that has been will be and everything that will be has already been that which is in the past is in the present but that which is in the, in the present is in the future and we've got to give an account for that he said that in the book of Corinthians he says I have not seen ears not heard or in the heart of man the things God's prepared for you God's not running around preparing something for you it's already prepared past tense he says over in the Ecclesiastes he said there's nothing new under the sun so what, what are we trying to do here? 
Our job is to operate in authority and, and, and take what God has put together and begin to speak and put it back into place. God's not in the creative business anymore. He's already created. Oh, my. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, it was absolute. We know Satan fell according to the book of Isaiah. I'll exalt myself above God. God, he, he looked at him and he said, you're not going to do that to me. He cast him down from heaven. We know that along with a third of the angels. Jesus said in the, in the New, New Testament, he said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven down to earth. We know that the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. So he tried to make havoc of everything God had. The word void there, I mean, let me say this. When the earth was a, a form of void, the word, the word void there means it is undistinguishable. It doesn't mean there's nothing there. It means it's such a chaotic thing you can't identify what's there. Ooh. God wasn't trying to create something. He simply took what the enemy had messed up They made it where you couldn't distinguish what it was and put it back in order so when you saw it you could understand it. Ooh. Man, that brings a different dimension to the creation, doesn't it? And so when the Spirit of God moved, it says here the Spirit of God, when it moved, it says that, that as it moved on the face of the waters, the Spirit of God began to move, and God said. Fascinating, isn't it? Now look what he does, though. Once God does all of this, now he comes here to in the, in the chapter twenty or chapter one, verse twenty-two, when he's talking about the creation of mankind. And God blessed them, saying, "Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters and the seas." And he goes on to list those things: be fruitful, multiply. But let's go over to verse twenty-eight for a moment of chapter one. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Amazing. Fruitful, multiply, subdue it. One translation says, be fruitful, multiply. One translation says, and replenish. Now, now why would he say that? Because he said, number one, you've got to understand something. You were created to be productive. Oh, look at a person next to you and say, you're supposed to be productive. Now, it's unfortunate. I don't, I'm not going to point out anybody or call anybody out. But there's some folks here today that hadn't proved squat in the last 10 years. It's the reason I don't believe in retirement. I might change jobs. I might quit. I might put 30 years and draw, draw a, a pension from that place, but I didn't quit when I walked away from them. I got to go do something else. I got to stay productive till the day I go home to be with the Lord. So I have to be fruitful. Come on, folks. And that's the problem with the church today. We hadn't led anybody to the Lord in years. Come on, stay with me. We say what we believe, but we don't live like we believe it. See, I can say this because I'm not the pastor. <laughs> Be fruitful. Then he says something about your fruit. Once you bear fruit, that fruit now has to be put in a position of multiplication. Once you've been fruitful... And now you're multiplying what you've been fruitful with. 
He says, now you've got to replenish. What does that mean? That means you can partake of all that you produce, all you want, just make sure you put it back. You can be as fruitful as you want. You can eat of that fruit all you want. The, the writer in Ecclesiastes said that, that you have a right to partake of that which you produce. Nothing wrong with that. He says, make sure that when you finish doing with it, what you're going to do with it, put it back so somebody else has access. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish. Now watch this. And then you have authority. It's important we see something here as we look at this passage of Scripture. And it simply says this, that, that the, word, the word fruitful is mentioned 35 times in the Bible. Over 202 times the word fruitful and fruit has been mentioned in the Bible. That we have to understand that God thinks about the world in which he created as a world that is to constantly be producing. Not sitting by the wayside. Constantly doing something. And so we look at this and we go to Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3. Put that up on the screen please if you would please. Psalms chapter 1 verse 3. You know you've read this because your senior pastor, Pastor Sean, has been, been sharing somewhat from this passage of Scripture. He's talking about our season of flourishing. But he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. In other words, you'll never stop producing. And whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 7, if you would, please. In reading in the book of Matthew chapter 7, we see something very unique over here. He begins to talk in verse 15 about being aware of false prophets. And he talks about, he says, you'll know them by their fruits. And even so, every, verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears fruit, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know And it says in verse 29, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Isn't that amazing? He didn't teach them as a religious leader. He taught them as one who knew what he was talking about. Because Jesus knew that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And he was the son that God gave. He was God incarnated that he came to this world knowing that he was going to die. He was going to go be, be, be put, if you would, die and give his life. And he was going to begin to bring forth fruit. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought fruit. That's why he could speak with authority. No one can speak with authority that doesn't bear fruit. The wise man said that the poor man had an answer to the city's problem when the enemy came against him, but nobody would listen to him. Why? Because he had no fruit. 
And if we're going to change the world in which we live, if we're going to reach our world with life, if, we, if we're going to be who God's called us to be, if we're going to flourish this year, then we've got to understand something. Every second of every day, our mind's got to be on bearing fruit, about multiplying, about replenishing, so that when we speak, the world listens because we have authority. We have authority. I was walking across the campus at Oral Roberts University a number of years ago, and I, and I had a, uh, a minister walking with me, and, and he's talking to me about how he felt like Oral was not doing some things. He could do some things differently. And, and he's going on and on and on about the, all the problems and mistakes that are at the university. Finally, I just stopped him, and I said, let me ask you something. Two questions. Number one, have you laid hands on a million people to be healed? He started laughing. He says, of course not. I said, have you built a half a billion dollar university? He says, no. I said, why don't you shut up? <laughs> so you don't have any fruit to talk to me about Oral Roberts. He, we're sitting in his fruit. I'm in the middle of, 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 his, of his, this incredible place of fruit, and you're trying to tell me how wrong. See, that's our problem is we want to talk about something we have no authority in because we bear no fruit in it. Right. Only when you become a producer... Can you have the right to operate in authority? Look over to the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37. What does he say? Either make the tree good, its fruit, or else make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And a good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. What is he saying? He's saying don't talk about anything you don't have authority in. Don't talk about anything that you've not produced something in. Don't, don't talk about stuff that, that you've never been fruitful multiplying in. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. And let me say this to you. Let me, let me put a little uh, asterisk up here with this message today. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about your time, your talent, your energy as well as your finances. I'm talking about what's your involvement. You know, you know, my complaint has been for years how anybody can be a teacher and not be involved in children's ministry. Well, I teach kids all week long. I don't care what you do all week long. Sunday is the day you glorify God. Why would you not use your gift to glorify God rather than just going to the world and letting them give you substance and waste your gift on somebody who don't care a thing about God? Well, I'm training kids. I understand that. But if you want to be a witness... Be fruitful on Sunday in your gift so that when you go to the school on Monday, you have authority. Oh, thank God he's not here every week. (laughs) I've been around too long and I'm too old not to bear fruit anymore. I ain't got all that much time. I got to get as much in the barn as I can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love what Dr. John Evazzini said to me. He said, you know, Rick, he said, he said, when you were young, he said, you're a visionary, and people like hearing about your vision. He said, when you got older, he said, you became known as a teacher, and people wanted to hear what you, what you were teaching. 
He said, when you got into your, your 50s and 60s, you become a statesman. And people just wanted you to stand around and just show, show that you were a part of them. He said, but now that you're in your 70s, he says, you can say anything you want. Who cares? <laughs> Hallelujah. I love 70s. <laughs> John chapter 15, verses 1 through 16. <laughs> Where's he going with this? I'm going someplace. Don't you worry. John chapter 15, starting in, in verse 1, we, we have the teaching and the, and the uh, substance of the fact that we are to we're on Timothy up there. I, mean, I need John 15. In John 15, chapter one, uh, chapter, uh, cha uh, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you and the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I am in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. And he is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. And it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So then you will be my disciples. I said, then, then, then you will be. Then you will be. I can't even claim to be a disciple of Christ if I'm not bearing fruit. If I'm not seeing something that's productive to glorify God, bless others, that will bring a harvest back. Because you need to understand something. Bearing fruit requires you to sow seeds of some kind so a harvest can come forth. Well, what do you mean? I lay hands on the sick. It's an action that creates a reaction. It's a type of seed. I, now, my action is because I'm looking for something. I, I, I want somebody to be healed. I, 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 want to, I want to give alms to the poor. Why is that? Because I want them to be taken care of. I have compassion, and I'm looking for them to be taken care of by what I've done. But God said, when I do that, know that I will repay you. Of course, we struggle with that, too, because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that when you give to the poor, God said, I will repay you. And we totally gloss over that. But if God repays you, what does God say? You give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over in good measure. So you're still going to get multiplication, even when you're giving to the poor. When I sing a song, it's because I want to glorify God. What I want to do that because in my message to God, he inhabits the praises of his people. Why? I'm singing because I want presence. Oh, God. Why do I want presence? Because I want the presence of God in my life. Because when the presence of God is here, all kinds of miracles take place. Oh, you're a miracle seeker. I got you. I got it. But when we bear fruit, he said what it does is it causes me to be glorified. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. Philippians chapter 4. 
Well, let, let me start. I'll start in verse 11 rather than 15. He says, he says, not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. That's a word that we need to understand. The word content here doesn't mean to be satisfied with the moment. It means to be satisfied with the work of the Holy Spirit in you in the moment. You need to go and study that, what that word means. It doesn't mean that I accept what it is. and just I, Whether it's good, bad, or the ugly, I accept it. I'm satisfied. No, 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 no. It means I'm independent of the outward circumstance because I'm satisfied with the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Paul said, no matter whether I got money or don't have money, it has nothing to do with it because I've learned how to depend on the Holy Spirit regardless of whether I have or don't have. My God. I don't have any money. It has nothing to do with what money you got. I have nothing to give. Oh, really? That's what the lady in Zarephath said. God spoke to the little lady and said, the prophet is coming to you. The brook is dried up. The raven's not bringing any more meat. But I'm telling you, he's coming to you, and you've got a hand. Don't think God didn't know she had a handful of meal and a little oil. He says, now what you do is when the prophet comes, I want you to feed him. And he went to the prophet. He said, go see this woman. I have spoken to her. So he didn't just randomly show up and say, can you help me? He went because he was under the direction of God himself to go see this lady. And when he got to the lady, what did the lady say? I've got nothing but a little oil, a little little flour. I'm going to gather some sticks. I'm going to make some cakes. My son and I are going to eat it, and we're going to die. And what did the prophet say? He didn't argue with it. He says, I don't care if you die or not. You do what God told you first, though. What was going on? God was trying to teach this lady in the middle of famine how to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Take what you've got and sow it and watch what I'll do with it. It wasn't about feeding the prophet. It was about sustaining the widow. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating story. Look at this now. I've learned to be independent of the outward circumstance based upon the work of the Holy Spirit in me. I've been with and I've been without. I've been abased and I've been abound. It goes on to say everywhere. I know how to do this in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Let all, I've learned I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know what battle we're in today, but you can make it. Not only can you make it, you can overcome it. Because the greater one lives in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church, wow, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Excuse me? Giving, receiving. He says, you guys got, you understood that if you were going to bless my ministry, you were going to get blessed. That if you would sow a seed, it's going to begin to, you can't sow a seed and not bear fruit and multiply. Look what he says. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek, oh, fruit. Why is he seeking fruit? Because he knows if he can get the fruit, he has authority to speak. If he has fruit, he has the ability to operate in authority. 
but I seek fruit that abounds to your account. You know what the word account there means? It's logos, that abounds to what you speak and what you say. That your words will now begin to operate in authority. I seek fruit so you can have authority. It's a fascinating passage. I said it's a fascinating passage. Go to the book of Proverbs. As we look over into the book of Proverbs, we want to look into Proverbs chapter 29. A familiar passage, but again, it's something we have to evaluate today. He says to us that he who is often rebuked and hardness of his heart will suddenly be destroyed. That without remedy. Boy, we like to read that. Oh, look at the next verse. But when the righteous are in authority. <laughs> you know the problem, we, we like to run around saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's great. He took my sin that I might be made a righteousness of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Man, that's hot. We love preaching that. Love teaching righteousness. I love, I, I, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The problem is we run around in our righteousness, but we have no authority to use it. Because we haven't bore any fruit. We're so sure of ourselves that the world's going to hell because they don't know how to make the right decisions because they're not spirit-led, they're flesh-led. And the church is supposed to be spirit-led. It's sitting on our do-nothings, producing nothing. Consequently, we can't speak into the world that we can change things. I mean, look at this. When the righteous are in authority. Oh, by the way, that word authority there in, in the Hebrew, it means when the righteous is in the mode of increase. When the righteous is walking in abundance. When the righteous is heaping up. Mm. When the righteous is in the mode of increase, they have the power to influence. They become a people of command. So I wonder... Are we going to continue to come to church and sing our songs and pray our prayers and do our dances? Or are we going to begin to bear fruit and change the world in which we live? Are we going to be a voice of authority or are we just going to be a noise that the world hears but they don't understand? I'm here to tell you it's time for the church this year to take their rightful position of authority. I was over in Seoul, Korea. I'm going to ask musicians to come. I was over in Seoul, Korea a number of years ago. And uh, I was with Dr. Youngie Cho. At that time, he had built the largest church in the world. Dr. Cho had one million members in his church. I had the privilege to be on the church growth board that he had there. And uh, I served him for seven years on that board. Tremendous man of God. He, he spoke, he, and, and he didn't go learn from others, but he taught himself. He spoke six different languages. He came from a ghetto 
He'd been healed of tuberculosis. A missionary led him to Christ. And he started in a little tent. And here we are 30 years later with a million members in a local church. You go to church on Sunday morning, he'd seat 45,000 per service. And they'd stamp your hand because you couldn't go to but no one service because they had to have 10 services on Sunday and 10 on Saturday. And it went on and on and on. It was all night long. So we're on the golf course, and God gave me great favor with him, and we were with one of his elders, and we, who had, it was a membership of the golf course over there, and so we were playing golf with some of the other board members, and Dr. Cho, like I said, God had given me great favor, so I had the privilege I could ride with him in the cart, and we spent time together. It was wonderful. I learned, I learned a lot of things from Dr. Cho through the years. And a car pulls up in the, on, the, on about the 7th fairway. His limousine drives right out on the golf course. These three men hop out of the car and they got their suits on and they walk over to Dr. Cho and they begin to talk to him. Of course, I don't, I don't speak Korean, so I don't know what they were saying. Dr. Cho comes back to him. He says, you're going to have to excuse me. He says, I'm, I'm going to need to go with these gentlemen. And uh, I said, Dr. Cho, what's going on? He said, the university students are rioting downtown Seoul, Korea. And the president has asked me to go speak to these students because he said, if I speak to them, they will listen to me. I said, why won't they listen to the president? He said, they won't listen to the president. But he, the president said, they will listen to me because I have such a voice of authority in our nation. Gets in the car, goes downtown, gets on top of the limo with a megaphone, speaks to the students, they all go back to the university. Riot stops. Do you think that if he had not created the vineyard or the orchard or the place of bearing fruit of a million members, he would have had the authority to speak to them? And you wonder why nobody wants to listen to you because you've done nothing fruitful for them. They don't see it in your life. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't remember when I ever pulled over on the side of the road when people would assign out asking for money and all their little things about what, they, you know, they need money, they need this, need that, I'm homeless. I'm I never pulled over and said, listen, I, I've got to make a decision of a lifetime. Can you give me some counsel? You know why? Because there's no fruit there. They're begging on the side of the road. They've got nothing to say to me that will help me in my problem. Come on, stay with me, folks. Stay with me. Let's stop pretending and start being who God called us to be. Let's start with the simple things. Let's give of our time. Let's give of our talent. Let's take what God has put in us and use it to produce fruit that will glorify God, that will benefit others, that will produce a harvest back into our lives. Dr. Oral Roberts said to me on the plane, flying home from Tulsa, Oklahoma, down to South Florida, I said, what's the number one thing that you tell the body of Christ that they've missed out on? He said, they leave their harvest in the field. 
Oh, God, here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can go back and get it. You just have to start where you are. The question today is this. What is an area in my life that I know that I can bear fruit with? I was talking to someone the other, the other week, and they were talking to me about some stuff. I said, they said, we don't know. They were they're older, the older people and can't get out much. And they said, well, how can I bear fruit? I said, why don't you take and set aside morning and night, 30 minutes morning, 30 minutes night, and begin to pray for somebody else's success. You can do that. Why? Because if I pray for their success, I want fruit. And God said, I have the ability. Oh, God. I'm creating the image and likeness of God. I'm created to be a fruit bearer. I can bear fruit no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing. I can bear fruit because that's in me. Glory to God. I don't have to wait on someone else. I need to take responsibility for me. I said for me. And look in the mirror and say, okay, bud, what are you going to do today? What seeds are you going to sow today for fruit to come? What are you going to use of your time, your talent, energy, and even your finance today that's going to cause a harvest because without the sowing of a seed, there is no harvest. The sowing of a seed is the beginning of all things. Giving is going to produce a harvest. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's time for the church to become a people of authority. That you cannot operate in authority until you start bearing fruit. No one wants to stop and look at a fruitless tree. Come on, stay with me, folks. But if you got a tree that's full of fruit, you can go, my God, look at that thing. Everybody's looking for a tree that's full. Everybody's looking for a field that is filled with incredible harvest. Why? Because that's who we are. There's somebody that's here today that you know God has spoken to you, just like the little widow woman in Zarephath. But you haven't done it because you said, I don't have it to give. I don't have the time to give my talent or my energy. I don't have all the money they need. Years ago, I had a gentleman come to us when we were going through a struggle and we had sold the, or we bought the property at 1490 Banks Road. But the property on State Road 7 had not sold. And so we were in a dilemma now. We thought we'd sell that property, but the savings and loans went through some things. We couldn't sell it. And I mean, we were, we were believing God. We were dancing on the water, making a lot of noise. And a friend of mine 
years later come to me. He says, you know when you were going through that difficult time? I said, yeah. He says, you know, I felt like God spoke to me to give you $10,000. And he said, and I had it. But I got to thinking about it, and I looked at your situation, and said, $10,000 is not going to help them. So I didn't give it. So I need you to ask, me, ask you to forgive me. That man's not in ministry today. What happened? He wouldn't take what he had based upon what God said. And so he didn't bear fruit with the very seed that God gave him to produce with. He lost his position of authority. He lost his church. Lost his family. I'm not happy about that. I'm simply saying the truth is the truth. You're designed by God to bear fruit. There's somebody waiting for you to plant your seed so that a harvest can come forth by which they can be blessed. And only then will you be able to be in their lives the authority they need to have spoke word you care. Dr. John Evazzini called me up. Rick, this is what I need you to do. Yes, sir. Why would I respond to that voice of authority? He's not in my church. He didn't give tithe to this church. But he's poured himself into my life to where fruit has come 29 churches later. Since, two, since 2003, based upon the calculations I've got, We've had the privilege to be a part of, for churches across America and around the world to raise over $130 million for the kingdom. Where did that come from? John Evazzini speaking in authority into my life because he had fruit in his life that would make me listen to him. And now I've been able to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and I'm speaking into your life now. Authority. The voice you hear will be the voice that will either take you into what God has promised or take you away from what God has promised. Anything that takes you away from bearing fruit, run from. Anything that bears fruit, run to. Because there you will find your authority. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.